Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. Hallelujah. Amen. Lift up your hands unto the Lord, my friends. Let's just worship the Lord a bit before we get into the word. A sorrow day. A day. O sorrow ye wode asase ye wode ohini bia rante se wo it's a simple song everybody sing with me o sorrow ye wode asase ye wode ohini bia Rante se wo Hey, sing it again O sorrow ye wode Asase ye wode O hinibya Rante se wo Divo hinio Divo hini Divo hini Let's end with this one. 
You end a name which is above every other name. The name Jesus. And it's a name you end because of the great victory that you won. Victory over Satan. Victory over sin. Victory over death. Victory that has changed our lives and our destinies forever. We crown you as Lord and King. It is to you alone that we will submit and yield our lives. You are our Lord, our Master, our Redeemer, our Savior, our King. We magnify your name and exalt your name above every other name. Thank you, Jesus, tonight. And as we've gathered here in your name and in your presence, we know that you are here in our midst. We know that the angels are also here. We don't take this meeting for granted at all. Tonight, speak to us, O God. Let your Holy Spirit reveal more of the Father and of the Son unto us. Thank you for everybody who made it tonight. And thank you for everybody who will be watching this broadcast. Bless each and every one in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Clap your hands for Jesus, my friends. God bless you and you may be seated. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. All right. As for today, dear, I must finish the series I started. On who Jesus is and what his mission was. Hallelujah. We've been talking about this for some weeks now. And, you know... We must not feel under pressure to, as it were, finish teaching something that is important from the word of God. We need, because you see, often for a lesson to be well learned, you need to teach it again and again and emphasize it over and over again. Hallelujah. And who Jesus is and what his mission was It's such an important discussion that we don't need to rush through it. Can I have an amen? But certainly tonight, we'll bring the series to a close. And then, next week, Wednesday, if Jesus tarries and God gives us life, we'll pick up something else to talk about. 
But you may have noticed that I have dedicated and devoted our midweek service, our impartation service to teaching. Teaching on different subjects. Alright? Usually on Sundays, I preach. And there's a difference between preaching and teaching. With teaching, you take things point by point and you break them down in a certain way. Okay? Which is different from preaching. You know, when you're preaching, you're sharing the word of God, definitely. But then, there, there is more of, if you like, an inspiration and speaking about things in a certain way. With teaching, you're presenting a lot of knowledge, you're presenting a lot of facts, and you're taking them line by line, precept upon precept, and you are imparting that knowledge. So that's basically the difference. And that's what I have done during our impartation service. And I'm going to continue along this line because I want you to become somebody who knows a lot of things about God, about the word of God, about the things of God. I don't want you to be a type of Christian who is very airy. That means, you don't understand a lot of things. You easily get confused about things. Now, you shouldn't be a Christian like that. And God wants us, as his children, to grow up and to mature in our knowledge of God. You should be able to give an answer to anybody who asks you why you are a Christian and why you are not a Buddhist or a Hindu. You have to be able to explain it. You have to be able to tell them that I am a Christian because of one, two, three, four. You must be able to, like what I'm teaching you, explain to somebody else who Jesus is and what his mission is. So Marvin, if you have friends, you're in the room with them or you work with them and you have an opportunity to talk to them about giving their lives to Christ, you should be able to explain to them who Jesus is and what his mission was. And you should be able to explain it so clearly that they will be convinced through the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Sandra, do you understand what I'm saying? You should be able to do that also. Your roommates, your friends, your classmates, different people that you meet and encounter, you should be able to tell them why you are a Christian. Why you believe the things you believe in. Who Jesus is. Why he's different from anybody else and everybody else. Why he is the way, the truth, and the life. You should be able to explain it. And I'm sure that based on what I've shared with you these past few weeks, I think we've been at this for almost six weeks. Yeah. I'm sure that based on all the things that I've shared with you, you should be able to talk to others and tell them who Jesus is and what his mission was. Can I have an amen from somebody? All right. And so I've shared a few things with you and you may have noticed that I always like to recap what I've shared before so that I can be sure that you're on the same page with me. Who is Jesus? I told you that Jesus is the son of God. Is that not so? Hey, is that not so? So number one, Jesus is the son of God. And number two, Jesus is God. Now, these two statements are very critical. And you should be able to speak about it. 
and explain that Jesus is the son of God. That's who he is. He is the son of God. So when the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That only begotten son is Jesus. Hallelujah. And then you must also be able to state clearly that Jesus is God. He is God. He is not just the son of God. He is actually God. You will notice that Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry had people worshipping him. But he never stopped any of them from worshipping him. Peter stopped people from worshipping him. John stopped people from worshipping him. Paul stopped people from worshipping him. They explained to those who tried to worship him that don't worship me. I'm just an ordinary person like you. But Jesus never stopped anybody from worshipping him. And worship is reserved for gods, usually. Is that not so? So Jesus is God. And we read from John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And everybody who has been a Christian for a while knows that what John chapter 1 is talking about, or who John chapter 1 is talking about, is Jesus. That in the beginning, he was there. He actually was together with the Father and the Holy Spirit. They are the ones who created the world and everything that is in it. And he is God. So when we talk about the Godhead or the Holy Trinity, we are talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you notice that for each of the persons in this Godhead, we address all of them as God. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is also God. Hallelujah. And together they form the Holy Trinity. And so Jesus is God. Not only is he the Son of God, but he is also God. Then I moved on and now went into explaining what his mission was. Remember that we are talking about who Jesus is and then what his mission was. And regarding his mission, I told you, number one, that he came to rescue mankind from Satan's power. Do you have that in your notes? Yeah. So Jesus himself said in Luke 19.10 that for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. Who were those who were lost? He was referring to mankind. And I explained to you that man became lost when the first man, Adam and Eve, disobeyed God and obeyed the devil and disobeyed God's instruction not to eat of the fruits from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate from that tree and it was in direct disobedience to what God had told them. But what they didn't realize was that their disobedience was going to put all of the human race into bondage and captivity. And by their disobedience, sin came into the world. 
and everything that is connected to sin, like wars, like famines, like sickness, like death. Just because of sin, all these things were unleashed on mankind. Which is why when God appeared in the Garden of Eden after they had sinned, and he asked, Adam, where are you? And Adam said that I was naked. And so I went to hide. He said, how do you know that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I said you shouldn't eat of? He said, it's not me. It's not me. He's a, he's a, woman, that, he's a woman that you gave to me. It's, it's her. She deceived me. God asked the woman, why did you do that? He said, it's not me. It's not me. It's the devil. But God didn't bother to ask the snake anything. You know? Now, God's response to all of this was, and this is one of the most loaded statements in the Bible. He said, what is this that ye have done? That's the question that God asked. What is this that ye have done? Because God could see all the trouble that was coming into the world because of their disobedience. He could see the wars. He could see the plagues. He could see the pandemics. He could see COVID-19, COVID-20. There's COVID-20, is there no COVID-20? Hey. Plus all the different things. He could see the war in Sierra Leone. He could see the war in Liberia. He could see the, 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 the issues that occurred in Rwanda. He could see Russia fighting against Ukraine. He could see the wars between the cucumbers and the nanumbers. And who are the two people in the Volta region who fight? The, the Alavanos and the who? In Konyens. God could see all of those things. So when he said, what is this that he have done? It was because he could see the consequences of their sin. And by what they did, they put all of us in bondage and in captivity. And Satan became the ruler of our lives. And when God created man, he gave him power and authority. But by choosing to obey the devil, they gave that power and authority to him. And so now all of us born into this world were now under the captivity of the devil. Jesus Christ came to rescue us from Satan's power. Amen. Number two. He came to give his life as a ransom to buy us back. We used to belong to God. But then through the sin of Adam and Eve, we ended up becoming bound. And we ended up under the control of the devil. But Jesus came and used his precious blood to buy us back. The third thing we said concerning his mission was he came to destroy the works of Satan in our lives. He came to destroy the works of Satan in our lives. What are the works of Satan? In John 10 verse 10, the Bible says, The thief cometh not. Then that, that title, the thief, is, is, is in reference to the devil. The devil has a lot of nicknames. So when you mention Satan, you can also mention AKA, which is also known as devil, deceiver, accuser, liar, 
But one of the titles of the devil is the thief. And the Bible says the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So anything in your life, anything that occurs that's trying to steal something from you or trying to kill you or trying to destroy you, that thing is the work of the devil. So when you fall sick, it is the work of the devil. When you don't have peace, your peace has been stolen, your joy has been stolen, it is the work of the devil. When you are so poor that poverty has taken a picture of you, and which I say, oh, yeah, then a cow photo. When you are poor and you are struggling and you are hustling, never ever say that that is the will of God for your life. Oh, boy. It is not the will of God for your life. The will of God is revealed in 3 John verse 2, where it says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers and God wants every part of you to prosper he wants you to be well he wants you to do well he wants you to have good food to eat he wants you to have the comfortable things of this life it is the devil who doesn't want you to enjoy those things but God wants you to have those things and so the works of the devil are intended to kill you, to kill something that is an important part of your life, to steal from you and to destroy you. That's why we destroy our lives by all kinds of stupid things that we do. You know, if you take, for example, drugs. Sometimes we, are, we have people who are on drugs. That thing is killing them, but they cannot move away from it. You look at people who have drunk. They've drunk Akpetesh. Akpetesh too, it's not sweet. I mean, those of you who have drunk some, please, can you confirm to me, is it sweet? <laughs> it's not sweet. So then ask yourself that, so why do we drink it? Adia said, now, there's a problem. I mean, think about it too. Something that you are drinking, immediately you finish drinking, then you start hitting your chest. What's wrong with you? It's a problem. But you can't stop. You know, sometimes we smoke you see smoke and it's very difficult to move away from it but when you think deeply about it it's like why are you a rat or do you have a rat inside of you so you are smoking the thing out and you can't think far but that is the problem. And all these things are the works of the devil to destroy us. But Jesus Christ came, hallelujah, to destroy the works of Satan in our lives. Amen. Another thing we said about his mission was to give us eternal life. If you have Jesus, if you are born again, if you are saved, you have eternal life. 
It's not like you will have it. You actually have it. Because the Bible says, He who hath the Son hath life. And he who hath not the Son hath not life. So believe it. Everyone, you have life. Because you are born again and you are saved. You have life. And that life is the God kind of life. Which is what we call eternal life. You have it. Believe it. Don't doubt it. Believe it. And it's one of the reasons why Jesus came. To give us eternal life. Amen. Number five. The fifth assignment or the fifth reason. Or the fifth thing to do with the mission of Jesus. Was to give us a new birth into the family of God. A new birth into the family of God. So Jesus came so that you and I can be born into the family of God. And that is why the Christian experience when you give your life to Jesus is described as becoming born again. Now, it is not being born again, you know, a second time into this world. That's not what it is. But it is being born into the family of God. And Jesus is the architect of that thing. He's the one who came and made it possible by the sacrifice that he made for all of us. So, as you sit here, you are part of the family of God. You didn't say amen. You are part of the family of God. And the family of God is more important than the family that you come from. Some of us don't come from any Baye family. There are some families, when you hear the name, you know that this family is an important family. Is that not so? What name? That, uh, uh, give me examples of names of families that you know about. When you hear that name, no, you know that it's an important family. Adodankwa. Yes, it's true. It's a very major family. Look, there are some families, eh? When you go into the family, you see, you trace very important people, achievers, successful people. And when you trace it, you find out that there's a trace of that. So, Adodankwa, what other family name do you know? Eh? McDance. What, what other names? Despite. <laughs> uh, is his name Despite? What's his real name? I'll say Kwame. <laughs> what other name? Eh? Van der Boy. Kakra. <laughs> because it be so yeah, so why not? Why not? I'm surprised that you didn't mention your name. Because you don't think that there's something great about your family. But that's the truth anyway. There are families that when you when you you, you come from that family, you immediately command some respect. Now, if you don't come from a family like that, don't worry. Because God has changed your destiny. You are now part of the family of God. I said you are part of the family of God. And the interesting thing about that family is that part of it is in heaven and part of it is on earth. It is a Baye family. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why we sing the song. I, I love this family of God. 
so close we are knitted into one they've taken me into their arms and i'm so glad to be a part of this great family Every Sunday we must sing that song. Will you tell him for me? Yes. Because it's true. We are part of the family of God. And Jesus has given us a new birth into the family of God. Number six. Jesus, one of his missions or assignments was to restore our fellowship with God the Father. Do you have that in your notes? Number seven. Jesus came to show us what God is like. Jesus came to show us what God is like. And we discovered that God is love. That's one of the most important things we learn about God. That God is love. Then the other thing that he showed us was the power of God. And if you think about it, these are the two main things that concern us the most. The love of God and the power of God. Those are the two main things that concern us. And Jesus came to show us what the father is like. And he showed us that God is love. God is love. God is love. And the thought of that gives us a lot of comfort. To know that God loves you. God loves you. Gino, do you believe that God loves you? Eh? He loves you with an unfailing love. And because he loves us, he is faithful to us. Human beings will give up on you. But God, he will never give up on you. Your friends and your loved ones will write you off. But God, he will never write you off. People will not see anything good about you. But God always sees beyond the surface. Because man always looks to the outward appearance. But God always looks to the heart. And if there's something that you must be convinced about and be assured about, it is that God loves you. Never ever doubt the love of God for you. And that's the reason why why when you make a mistake, when you get it wrong, don't run away from God. Go right back to him. Talk to him and tell him, God, I missed it. It's interesting. In the Catholic Church, eh, they, there's something they do. They go for confession. This is so you go to the church and then there's a place that you go to. I mean, I don't know whether all Catholic churches have that. But in many of them, there's a, a special room and uh, it has, if you like, a curtain or something. The priest is sitting on the other side. Then you'll be on this other side. And then you, you go and do confession. Do you see? So, uh, so what you usually say is, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Then you are also supposed to say which number that confession is. So you say, this is my faith confession. Oh, yes. I have to remember <laughs> Or this is my tenth confession. For many people, it will be my millionth confession. Do you see? But you see, what I want you to understand is that I am not giving you license 
to continue doing certain things. That's not what I'm doing. But what I'm doing is to let you understand that the love of God is so strong that usually the problem is not that God has rejected you. It is because you have run away from him. Anytime you miss it, just go back to God. Just go back to him. Somewhere along the line, something will change. And God, he never gives up on you. You will give up on yourself, but God will never give up on you. Human beings will give up on you, but God will never give up on you. What an amazing love that we have experienced. Hallelujah. And Jesus also showed us the God's power. We see God's power in how he healed the sick. We see God's power in how he cast out evil spirits. This, and realize that Jesus Christ, when he came, he did all of these things. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He controlled nature. He raised the dead. All these things that he did was to show us how the father is like. How God is like. That God is all powerful. That he's able to do all of those things. Hallelujah. Number eight. Let's finish. Three more. Then we are done. The eighth thing that I want to share with you about the mission of Jesus. Please don't forget that I'm teaching you on who Jesus is and what his mission was. I have shared seven of his missions and this is the eighth one. The eighth mission or the eighth part of Jesus' mission was Jesus came to share in our sufferings. Sandra, where is your notebook? You didn't bring it today. Sandra, Sandra, Sandra. Next week you should bring it, okay? Jesus came to share in our sufferings. Can you say it with me? Jesus came to share in our sufferings. Say it again. Jesus came to share in our sufferings. Hallelujah. Now, don't ever make the mistake of thinking that Jesus had it very, very easy. Never make that mistake. That he had things very easy because he was God. And so, when he came to this earth, everything was easy and rosy for him. It is not true. Yes, he came as God and he was both the son of God and the son of man. So he was both divinity, which has to do with God, and he was also um, humanity, which has to do with the human nature. And when he came to this earth, he experienced every single thing that you and I go through. He could get hungry. Look, one day he was hungry. He was traveling with the disciples. And you read about this in Mark 11. Then they saw a fig tree. A fig is a kind of fruit. It's not a vegetable. It's a fruit. Okay? It is like... But there's something we call adon. Okay, I don't know the whatever. But it is a fruit. He saw the tree and he went to it 
hoping to find some fruits on it. He didn't find any. Where he bore. Do you know that, have you heard this statement before? A hungry man is an angry man. He was so bored that he cursed the tree there and then. Oh, that you this tree, nobody will ever eat of your fruit again. They went and the following day when they came back, they saw that the tree had withered. Why? Because the son of man was hungry. And because he didn't find fruits on it, he cursed the tree. So Jesus went through hunger. Jesus Christ, there were times that he was tired. There were times that Jesus wept. You were saying something? He slept. There were times that he got tired that he had to sleep. And on one of the occasions, he slept so much, he didn't even know that they, they were about to drown. So he was in a boat with the other disciples. And a major storm arose. And the disciples were struggling to keep the boat afloat. And they could hear somebody snoring in the corner of the boat. It was Jesus. And then they went to shake him and said, Master, Master, then Master, don't you care that we are about to drown? Jesus got up and said, small boys are young. And he just got up and said, hey, peace be still. The waves calmed and the storm ceased. And I'm sure he went back to continue his sleep. Clap your hands for Jesus. But he went through a lot of things that we go through. Look at this scripture in Hebrews 4.15. One of the things that he went through was like our temptations, the things we struggle with. He went through them. Look at Hebrews 4.15. King James says, For we have not an high priest. Now Jesus Christ is our high priest. Amen. Which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Do you understand what I just read to you? Look at it from the New Living Translation also, which is a more modern kind of English. This high priest of ours understands what? Oh, say it again. Our word. How many of you have weaknesses? And the Bible says that this high priest of ours, referring to Jesus Christ, he understands our weaknesses. Then look at what he says in continuation. For he faced all of the same testings we do. Testings. Temptations. What the Bible is saying is that Jesus Christ went through all of that. He was tempted. Every, look, any kind of temptation that you've gone through, Jesus experienced it. According to what the word of God is saying. You may not see it recorded in the Bible. But you got to believe what the Bible is saying here. That for he faced all, not some, all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. And it was important for him to experience all of the different testings that we run through. You see, when you read your Bible in Matthew and in, in Mark and then in Luke, Mark, I'm not sure, but certainly Matthew and Luke, it talks about the temptations of Jesus. Only three of the temptations are recorded there. But think about it. 
How many days and nights was he in the wilderness for? 40 days and 40 nights. Does it mean that for the 40 days and the 40 nights, you know, those were the only three temptations that he went through? And all through his life, based on what the word of God is telling us, he went through every kind of temptation that you and I go through. But the difference between him and us is that where we failed, he stood strong. And the Bible is saying, yet he did not sin. Hallelujah. Now, one of the reasons why he came was so that he could share in these things that we experience. Why? So that when he becomes our high priest, and when he becomes our lawyer, and when he becomes our advocate, he can do so with understanding. Do you know that when you haven't been through what somebody else has been through, you struggle to understand what the person went through? How many have realized that? Sometimes people don't understand what you're going through because they've not experienced it before. And because they've not experienced it before, they, they, they tend to be impatient with you. That you alone, every time this, you alone, every time. Look, there are some people, it's like every time they are begging for money. Every time they are begging for money. You can become very angry with them all. But you don't know what it feels like to be in that state. It is easy for you to look at them and say, Hey, you may be in here. Please. You don't understand it. That's why you have to be very patient with people. When somebody is going through something, don't be quick to pass any comment. Don't be quick to judge anybody. Don't be quick to write off anybody. Because you don't have the total picture. And you don't know the full story. And Jesus Christ wanted to be a compassionate and a knowledgeable high priest and, and, and advocate or lawyer. That is why one of the reasons why he came was so that he can experience what we go through. So that later on, when he takes his seat by the father's right hand side, when our issues come up in the courtroom of heaven, he can defend us. But he will not be able to do that effectively unless he's experienced what we go through. Hallelujah. So one of the things we need to understand about Jesus' mission was that he came to share in our sufferings. How many are glad that he came to share in our sufferings and in our weaknesses? Hallelujah. Number nine. Jesus came to die on the cross for us. It's another aspect of his mission. Jesus came to die on the cross for us. Wicked men took the Lord Jesus and executed him by nailing him to a wooden cross like a common criminal. So just this past week, we came out of the Easter season. Is that not so? And we were remembering Jesus dying on the cross for us. Now, Jesus could have saved himself. But he did not because he knew that it was through his death on the cross that God was going to save the world. 
and Jesus came to die for us. So Jesus came to die on the cross for us. It is one of the reasons why he came. It is part of his mission. He came to die on the cross for us. So he did a lot of good things. But the things that he did were not the main reason why he came. But the main reason, so this one is like the main reason why he came. So that he could die on the cross for us. First Peter chapter 2 verse 24. The Bible says, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, ye are healed. Hallelujah. Isaiah 53 verse 5 to 6. But he was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our saints. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Verse 6. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the saints of us all. Hallelujah. Jesus came to die on the cross for us. And he had to do that in order to free us from our sins. So when Jesus was nailed to that cross, all our sins were put on him. And so it was as it were, our sins that were nailed to the cross. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. Give me the King James Version. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Who is he talking about? Oh, say it well. Jesus. So you can say for he, that is God, the Father, if you like, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So take note of how it is described. For he made him to be sin for us. What it means is that when Jesus hanged on the cross, he was sin. It was the sin of the sins of the whole world. That thing that was introduced into the world because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve, and everything associated with it. That was what Jesus was turned into when he hung on the cross. Do you remember that at the point when he hung on the cross, he cried out and said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The reason why the father forsook him was because as he hung on the cross, he had become sin and the father had to turn away from him. So Jesus came to die on the cross for us. And what happened was that on the cross, he was then, it was like our sins. The punishment for our sins was what he came to bear. And then he also 
hanged on that cross to die in our stead. Remember what it says in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin. So Jesus Christ was paying the price and the penalty for our sins. And he came for that purpose. To be hanged on the cross openly. And he did that to sort the sin problem and to pay the penalty for our sins so that you and I could have life, so that you and I can be healed, so that you and I can have a good life. What did he say? John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that ye might have life and have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. So Jesus came to die on the cross. So that you and I can have life. So that you and I can have healing. So that you and I can be reconciled to the father. So that you and I can have a place in heaven. So it's part of his mission and his assignment. Jesus came to die on the cross for us. The last verse one. Jesus rose from the dead for us. Jesus rose from the dead for us. It is part of his mission. That he had to. Come back to life. Or he had to resurrect. So Jesus rose from the dead for us. After three days in the tomb, God raised his son from the dead. And this he did for you and I. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to 6. But God... New Living Translation, please. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. Next verse. Next verse. Next verse. If you don't give it to me, take your thing. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So when God raised Christ from the dead, he gave us life. It continues, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Now, look at what else he says. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. What is he saying? The Bible is explaining to us that by raising Christ from the dead, it was for you and I. It was for our benefit. That by raising Christ from the dead, you and I will also have life. And like the Bible is saying that we are seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. So you are here, but you are not here. You are both here, but you are not here. So you are here on earth, but you are also seated in heavenly places with Christ here. Don't ask me to explain it. I can't explain it, but that's what the Bible is saying. So you are here, but you are not here. It's a mysterious thing. And Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And you see, the resurrection of Jesus is one of the, if not the most important pillar 
of the Christian faith. Because if he hadn't resurrected from the dead, you and I would still have been in our sin. We would still have been dead in our sins and trespasses. We would still have been lost and would have had nothing to look forward to except the fearful judgment of God. And we would have ended up in hell. And so the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is what gives us hope. If he hadn't been raised from the dead, then there will be no use for the hope that we have and the faith that we have in him. And that is why the resurrection of Jesus is a very, very important thing to do with the Christian faith. Without that thing, we are completely lost. But he was raised from the dead. That is why we celebrate Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. And we celebrate it because we know and we believe and we are convinced that Jesus died for our sins, yes. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. And he did that, he did that for us so that we, you and I can have life in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And the last thing we want to touch on concerning Jesus' mission is that Jesus came to open the door of heaven for us. Amen. Jesus came to open the door of heaven for us. When his work on earth was completed, Jesus returned to heaven to be with God, his father. But this too was for us. For he opened the way into God's presence for us where we can live now and forever. Hallelujah. Last scripture, Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 23. Quickly. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 23. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Because of what? Because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And the promise of God is that now that we are born again, we will have a place in heaven. And Jesus came to open the door of heaven for us. Before he came, the door to heaven was closed. Closed. And nobody could enter in because of sin. But he came to die for us, settled the sin problem. And one of the benefits we enjoy from that is that he has opened the doors of heaven to us. And Jesus promised the disciples, John 14 verse 1 to 3. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. Where is the father's home? Heaven. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Hallelujah. So, heaven has been opened to us. Gifty, when you die, you go to heaven because you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And Jesus came to make this possible, to open the door of heaven to you. So you don't have to worry at all. 
There's nothing to worry about. And you must believe in these things. Believe in these things that I'm sharing with you. That because you are born again and because you are saved, one of the blessings that you are going to enjoy is that the doors of heaven will be opened unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you have a place in heaven and be of good cheer because your name has been written in the book of life. Because of that, when you leave this earth, your place in heaven is secure and is guaranteed. Rise up to your feet and clap your hands unto the Lord as we close. So this brings us to the end of our series on who Jesus is and what his mission was. Have you been blessed? Hallelujah. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for today. And thank you for what we have learned. And thank you, Father, for Jesus. Thank you for the mission that he came to fulfill by coming into this world. We've been so blessed because of the great sacrifice that he made for us. I pray, Father, may these things that we've learned continue to stay in our hearts and ring in our minds. I pray that moving onwards, may everyone who has been privileged to hear this series be very confident to talk about Jesus and to share the reasons why we believe in him and why we've given our hearts to him. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. And all shall say, Amen. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.